All right, hello everyone, how are you doing? Welcome back to the Double L Show. And today we are joined by a very special guest. Do you want to introduce yourself? Oh, hi, I'm Samantha Giles. I currently play Benice Blackstock in Emmerdale. So today's conversation is spiritualism, writing, discussions about different subjects in Emmerdale. And then career advice, which should have been highlighted at the bottom. So I am very prepared and I've just been talking to a ghost in my room with a pendulum because apparently something keeps going across the back of the screen every time that I'm on Zoom. Yeah, and constantly. I got all my tarot cards. So I could have done a reading, but I don't think I'm very in tune with the spirits. So I will go to the questions. How long have you been in everything spiritual? Oh, well, probably since I was a child, really. Um, I guess we were brought up kind of in that way. I don't know, really. I was brought up in the countryside and um, my mum was quite sort of uh, witchy. I suppose she used to say that she could read our hands and things like that. And um, so I've always been interested in in those kind of things. Yeah. I'm like trying to read this at the same time. Lee's not going to contribute because he keeps asking us what certain crystals are, even though I mostly don't know every single crystal. Well, it, I think the second one's already been answered. Can you explain Wicca for those who don't know what it is? Yeah, so Wicca is um, a form of paganism, really. Um, so it's people call it a religion but it's not really a religion it's more a way of life or a set of beliefs and values and all wicker is is kind of um revering nature so it's trying to live um and celebrate the seasons trying to eat according to what seasonal food there is um you know going out and you know so this time of year we're just about to um have spring equinox which is on monday the 20th oh, i didn't know um, that yeah so that's so that's quite exciting because it's like yeah spring has begun then um and and then you've got various uh wiccan festivals throughout the year um which are celebrating it's very similar to the christian calendar i i guess in that you're celebrating um you know things like may day which would be called beltane in wiccan language if you like um and then you've got the the important um equinox so you've got the solstices so you've got summer solstice june the 21st which is um the longest day so that that's quite a massive festival you know it's quite exciting because the you know you've got the longest hours of light and then you've got the winter solstice which is 21st of december so that's the shortest day um so it's it's celebrating all those different festivals and you don't have to do magic or witchcraft or whatever you want to call it if you're a Wiccan. Some people do, some people don't. It's not a prerequisite. Um, I don't tend to do very many spells now. Sometimes I do if, if you know, say at the beginning of the year or something, or if I feel I, I want to try and focus in on certain goals. But I do uh, make magic spell kits and sell them on my website, you know, on my online shop. So to give people the tools to be able to create those kind of things themselves. And magic isn't 
it's not dark magic. If you're a true Wiccan, you know there's no such thing as black magic or white magic. It's just magic because the the Wiccan law, if you like, is harm ye none. So if you were to do a dark spell, it basically is against all the rules of Wicca and every anything you do that's dark comes back on you times three. Um, so that's why if you're a Wiccan, you wouldn't really say, well, I'm a white witch. You just say I'm a Wiccan or I'm a witch. It's only for kind of the layman that you need to explain, well, it's not dark magic, because if you did dark magic, you'd know that it's going to come back on you times three. So you just wouldn't go there. It's not what we do. It's about spreading um, positivity and and joy, really, and happiness and helping people have the tools to be able to change things about themselves or their life that they don't feel they could do on their own but it's so it's encouraging them to have that positivity yeah I'm kind of along them lines because I'm like the law of attraction and I feel like I was destined to do that from the day I was born because I was born on Samhain the official day of it and all of my birthday is all spiritual numbers that all just line up and it just feels like I that was my destiny although I drop in and out of it quite a bit because I have to be in a certain frame of mind otherwise it just takes all the energy but yeah I celebrate quite a bit I love mostly Halloween time just getting all spooky and yeah that's mostly like my background I usually read a lot of oracle cards and not at the moment but I'm gonna get back into it I think because I know that from an interview, which I didn't even know until the other day, that you've tried to learn how to read oracles slash tarot. Yeah, I've got tarot cards that I've had since I was about 18. Um, the Morgan Greer ones. Um, so mine are, yeah, you'll probably, you might recognise the pack. Um, I, I don't think I've seen them on yeah. ones. So this is the ones I learnt on as well, the Morgan Greer tarot. Um, and I learnt to read tarot cards with this pack. And I still use this pack. Um, I also have some, um, oh, what are they called? Uh, Akashic, Akashic tarot cards, which are quite good. You can't really read them in the same way as these tarots. Um, and I've got some angel cards, but... For a, for a more precise, if, if you want to do just a, a kind of answer a question, I think the angel cards are really good for that, just pulling out one card. But if you want to do a more in-depth reading, I think the tarot is good. Um, but it doesn't always, the thing about tarot, it doesn't always tell you what you want to know. It, it will tell you what it wants to tell you. I think it has a life of its own. I think this is yeah. where sometimes you have to be a little bit careful with tarot because um, it can play around with you if you're doing it too much or if you're trying to do your own readings too much, mm -hmm. they can play tricks on you. Yeah, one of my friends, she also reads, I mean, these are my first deck, which I've had about eight years now and the like my go-to, but my friend read my cards last year and she went a pre-warning every single thing that I've ever predicted with these cards has happened. And funnily enough, every single thing that she's predicted happened but usually in the bad way and I kind of regret asking for a reading yeah, yeah maybe maybe it's not a good time for you to have readings right now maybe you need to get further on with your life and be making decisions from the heart rather than decisions that maybe you've been told might happen 
Yeah, I mean, I'd done a reading the other night, but I just kind of, just to see if they still had the magic in them. I mean, there's that many to choose from. There's certain ones only work with certain other ones for some reason. So if I need an extra answer, I'll take three out of one. And then sometimes I'll try the other deck and I'll just get the next answer on. Lee's got loads. He's been getting magazines and he's beat out everything. He's got about 18 decks now. Yeah. Yeah, to it's called Total Tower. Um, you can get them in kind of local shop, but like I do it from the uh, website. And it's fifteen ninety eight for like the premium one, where you get all these kind of like gifts. Like you actually get like um like a, the biggest one gift they've sent us is a big kind of clump of like rose quartz. Oh, nice! In the sender deck each month, a different tower deck. So I've got about sixteen now. Wow! You're definitely going to need another shelf. I'm going to. Yeah. Do you believe in the law of attraction? Yes, I do. Um, I think it's very difficult though because I think some people are naturally pessimistic, some people are naturally optimistic, and I think sometimes with any of these things, there's a danger of saying, "Well, your life's shit at the moment because you must have attracted that." And I think sometimes you can't always say that. Sometimes bad things happen for no reason, you know. Otherwise. It's a really glib way of explaining why one person's had terrible things happen to them. You know, it makes people feel as if it's their fault. And I think that's wrong. That's not always the case. I think generally speaking, you know, if you look for rainbows, you'll see rainbows. If you look for crows, you'll see crows. But I think you can't always say that, you know, oh, that awful things happened to that person because they've attracted it. They've made it happen. I think that's a bit cruel yeah it's sometimes like a bit of both at times like sometimes the universe can work in your favor and then sometimes it can just work against you I mean it was doing that yesterday it just happened like to know something bad happened this time last year and it just kept popping up memories on purpose of the exact same thing to remind us and I'm like yeah thanks for that like I much appreciate that one it just it just works how it wants essentially but other yeah. times it's nice yeah yeah have you noticed that a lot of people in the industry are actually quite spiritual? Um, yes and no. I think I think generally, yeah, a lot of the women are, not so many men. I suppose it's more of a female thing, generally speaking. I don't know. I think there's a mixture, and I think this is just because this is life. So I think there's a mixture. Some people are, are spiritual and some people are very shallow. And you get that in my business, but you get that probably in any business, really. Yeah. I think actors in general are more open, you know, and will, um, excuse me, have very personal conversations with people that we're working with quite quickly you know, so we'll be talking about things in the green room, having only known each other a couple of days that probably someone that works in a bank would never discuss with their colleagues, you know, but that's just the nature of our business because you have to, you know, you become vulnerable quite quickly. You're, you're stripping down, you're opening yourself up. Um, so that that's how that happens, I guess. Yeah, we've noticed that 
because we were filming a short film yesterday and everyone like we didn't know each other in the room none of us really know each other and then we're like best friends coming out by the end of the day and it's just like what was that yeah it was a weird experience have you had any spiritual experiences i.e ghosts premonitions things along them lines um when i was quite young a little girl i had this uh waking dream which i think was an astral projection dream i had a friend my best friend had moved to hong kong and i woke up in the night and i was totally awake yeah, it was also like a dream, but I, it was totally awake. I was totally awake. And my great grandmother that was dead, sort of, I saw her out the window and she came into the room with this man. And I can remember her saying, this is Mr. And I can never remember what his name was. And I've ne never met him before. And she said, come on, we're going to go and see Vicky. And she took my hand and we flew out the window and we flew to Hong Kong. Sounds absolutely bonkers. But I, and then we kind of had a look at my friend and obviously different time zone and everything there and then we came back and it was weird because I I convinced that it was a spiritual visitation from the ghost of my great gran and that we did astrally project and it felt totally normal and it was a lovely thing to have been able to do because I was really missing my friend because she was there for four years and it was quite a, a, an age where I was about 10, I think. And it, so it was that age where you really need your friends around you. And they're very, very important to you, your close friends. So I think that's the, the one of the biggest spiritual experiences I've ever had. That is actually pretty cool. I never get things like that. I usually get ghosts visiting us. And I get one specific ghost who always kind of comes back because she wants to show us something and... I still don't know any name, but I keep getting like loads of random names in my dreams of like spirits and I still can't figure out who it is. Just write them down. Write yeah. it all down. It's weird. Some people said it's like a dem like it's a demonic thing. And I'm like, oh no, I was like, I don't want that. I mean, it's a very spiritual area where I live. There's like a park that all of it's pretty much built on like a monastery. So it's there's just ghosts everywhere, essentially. If it was so demonic. Sorry, if it was demonic, it would be kind of trying to lure you into a sense of security so it could actually do some harm. So if it normally the hide under the guise of kids, like young girls or something, to try and gain your trust, and then they'll kind of attach onto you. So uh, I would be careful if you think it is kind of a young child. Yeah, it wasn't. Almost. I think okay. she was about my age. Yeah. Which very... area you're in the north east, yeah? Yeah, Sunderland. Sunderland. Yeah, but like where I am, it's got so much history, like beyond. I don't think other areas have as much as here. But yeah, I've seen like a monk, I've seen loads of different things, people in Victorian outfits. It's it's just a really weird one. I'm glad I kind of know about because I never did, because I never lived in this area. So coming here and then everyone's saying oh this is haunted and I didn't believe it but then I believe the park's haunted not the house yeah there's a big mansion which everyone thinks is haunted but it's literally not all right yeah have you done a full moon cleansing ritual I, I do lots of rituals on full moons it's a great time to to do a spell or to put something out there that you 
you know, some sort of positive affirmation because it's so powerful, even more powerful, obviously, if there's a storm as well. I think that's the most powerful time to do magic, isn't it? Storms. I've never known that. Your intentions travel quickly in a storm. So you're getting it out there much, much quicker. I'm definitely it's the high energy for storms. Mm. Yeah. A lot of paranormal activity does increase if there's like a thunderstorm because of all the energy in the atmosphere. I thought that was a stereotype from horror movies. <laughs> no, it is true. It's true, <laughs> but like good. it is a stereotype, but at the same time, it is true. Mm. So, what is your favorite celebration of the year? Um, oh, I don't know really. I do like, I do, I think probably summer solstice. I feel it, feel it's very magical time. Um, I just, I suppose, because it's, it's also around when the sun moves into cancer which is my star sign cancer so maybe it's to do with that as well because it's always quite a positive time of year and I do love the summer and June is probably my favorite month um so yeah I, I find I've always wanted to go down to Stonehenge for summer solstice I've never yet done it maybe one day it's so bad, but I don't even know where Stonehenge is. No, it's no, it's okay. It's kind of in the west, near Somerset, right. uh, southwest. Okay, I've got like no chance of getting all the way there, but I've got quite, quite, quite a long way. But you can't really get to, you know, close that close to Stonehenge because it's all cordoned off and everything. And it, but it's like a traditional place where lots of hippies and you know pagans and whatnot will go. Um, to celebrate summer sources. So I would love to do that one okay. day. I'm going to add that on my bucket list. Do you have a favourite crystal? And I can't ask that because that is such a bad idea. I've got that many. Well, do you know what? I think my favourite crystal, since I've got it up here, is Moldavite. And um, it's quite expensive. It's I've heard of it. It's very powerful and a lot of people can't use it. It's like a green, dark green colour. My piece is about like that. Um, I don't know where it is actually, it's somewhere around. And it, yeah, it is, it's quite powerful. It's supposed to be a very transformative um, stone that lots of people can't use because it's too powerful. But I get quite excited when I hold it it's definitely worth getting a piece to, to try, but I do really like that. But I, that's made me realise I've got to find where it is actually and start using it a bit more. Yeah, they start disappearing. That's what I've noticed. If you want to find it, it's just not there. But you can't really get Moldavite as much up here because there was a TikTok trend, so everyone went and bought it. Mm. They just bought it all out in bulk, essentially, and nobody could get it. Oh, how weird. Yeah, and then people regretted buying it because loads of stuff started happening that they didn't want and they couldn't stop it yeah maybe you you know spiritually when you, it's the right time to to have it i don't know i don't know yeah it's just to think if people see on tiktok that it's a trend they'll buy it no matter what and they don't really know what they're doing right yeah just tiktok's a weird place it really is okay well i don't even know what this means it just says oracle cards question clairvoyance question what well, was that i'm not a clairvoyant um so yeah don't know <laughs> i should write context but i'm clairvoyant i got told that when i was around 18 
I mean, it kind of made sense in a way because I just loads of premonitions started happening and I just I hate when I get a premonition because I'm like, I don't want to see this right now. And How old are you now? 23. And I've seen like loads of stuff. One time I got contacted by my dead great uncle and he told us that my auntie was going to die and that was his wife. And she later died three months later after being told. And I told my family that and I've got it wrote down and I'm like, that is so weird. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That's what I usually say, destruction and things like that. Well, maybe you need to do some meditations on asking for positive messages and not darker ones. Yeah. You don't want the responsibility of having been told something horrible, but it's quite nice to be given something pleasant, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever had any pleasant things. I usually get told the destructive kind of things, but I'd rather know them in a way if they're going to happen than not know them. Because then I can just try and avoid. Mm. Do you know a lot? What this like? I I swear I can't write. Did you know a lot became spiritual because of Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks? Oh no! Yeah, I like Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, quite like some of their music. It was. I think it was because of American Horror Story because Stevie Nicks guest starred on it, and everyone was like, "Who was this?" And then they just got into it. Your age group wouldn't know Fleetwood Mac, would you? I, you I love Fleetwood Mac. Mac. <laughs> They're like my go-to, but I'm still kind of not listening to them after Christine died. I know that's terrible. Isn't it? Yeah, I don't think I'd felt upset like that in a while. It just left. It was like losing a friend. Mm. On to the next topic, which is Brighton. And I'm going to let Lee speak because he's been writing, well, I don't know if he's been writing longer than I have. You've been writing, I think, a lot longer. Really? Yeah, I didn't, start at 11 or 12. I didn't start at 11 or 12. Okay, so I'll ask one question, then I'll go to you. What made you venture into writing? Um. Well... I've always done a bit and funny enough I found something today that I'd written when I was about 13 and um, and then I wrote a lot of poetry but I, I never thought about writing an, a book a novel until um, I, you know, I was you know to about 2016 2017, 2017 I think I wrote my first children's book and it just came to me this dream I've always liked words, obviously, and stories, because that's why I'm an actor. And then I had this dream about these witch characters, and I thought, oh, I've got to write this book. And I wanted to put my kids in it as main characters and my eldest daughter's friend that she had at school. So there's three main characters, like Rosemary, Lois, and then Rosemary's best friend, Addie, who's an Indian uh, Indian heritage um, boy that she's at school with. Well, I think... He might be autistic in the book. I'm not, I did kind of write with that intention. I just wrote this character, and then lots of people said to me afterwards, Oh, he's autistic, isn't he? And I, and I kind of hadn't thought about labeling him like that, but I suppose, yeah, he is neurodiverse in, in some way. Anyway, um, so I, I wrote this story and I wrote it kind of based on my husband as well because he suffers with depression, but he's in denial about it. And um, so I wrote what I hope is quite a magical, um, thrilling book for, for kids. And it's kind of got lots of things in it from my from my children's childhood and things that we've always done. 
and um, so once I'd done it I didn't kind of plan to have it published or plan to try and get it published because that is so hard you know that journey and then in the end I thought oh do you know what I think it's quite good I'm going to try and get an agent so that was a massive road of trying to get a literary agent so 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 difficult anyway oh God, I've got no hope in that then <laughs> yes you have yes you have it's just perseverance really it's perseverance and it's a bit of luck um anyway so I did eventually get a literary agent and um she loved the book and you know said oh yeah definitely get it we worked quite a lot on it editing and so on and then she was absolutely convinced that she was going to get a great publisher got turned down everywhere everywhere wow. And eventually uh, a small publisher uh, published it in 2020. And then I did uh, book two, Rosemary and the Book of the Dead. And that got published a year later. And I have finished the third and final book, but unfortunately the publishers have basically, well, they're not publishing any, anything now apart from digital crime. So although I had a contract for the third book, Obviously, that's not going to be published by them. And again, it's been, it's been sent round, you know, the series, because lots of publishers, it's a really weird world, publishing world. Lots of publishers don't want to publish something which is halfway through a series, you know, because it means that they would have to republish the first two books and then launch the third one. And they just don't want to put the money into it. They don't want to take the risk, I guess. I don't really know. They don't want to touch it because someone else has had it first. And um, so I'm back to square one because I've got no publisher now for that final book. And yet I've got people that have read the first two that are saying, oh, when's the third one going to come out? You know, the final one. So that's quite frustrating. So I've just changed literary agents to someone else because I think that they'd kind of kind of um, lost, you know, they'd kind of given up my literary agent. So I found a new literary agent. And he's just sent out a new book that I've written, a standalone book. Um, so he's submitted that to publishers. And I've just got to keep my fingers crossed that someone will pick that up. But, you know, it, it's it's quite tough. So even when you think that you've had success, because that first Rosemary book went bestseller on Amazon and did really well for a debut book, especially the fact that I'd got such a small publisher, and yet here I am again, you know, back back to square one. So I think it's just that it doesn't matter where you where you appear to be from other, other people look at you and go, oh, that person's got this, this and this. But actually, we all have our times, don't we, where it all just goes wrong and you think, oh, God, what do I do now? But you've just got to keep going, keep going. It's It's really tough, but that's all you can do. Yeah, it's quite like that with TV shows at the moment because you've got a lot of them getting cancelled halfway through and then you've got other broadcasters then picking it up for like a final season and then they can't get the rights to the rest of it. And it's like that back and forth. Very strange at the moment. Very strange times. Yeah, they are actually. Lee, your turn. Well, my questions are very uh, different. My question's okay. all about Emmerdale. Oh, right. Okay, I guess I, I was the one who decided to put writing out there. This is what happens when we don't always share questions. Um, I think some of them have already been answered. What inspires you to write? Because a lot of people have like techniques yeah. of how to write and where the ideas eventually come from. 
I kind of I do have lots of ideas going around and then I sort of um let them stew a bit you know let them soak in my head a bit and then if I really can't stop thinking about one particular idea then I kind of know that's the one to to be writing so at the moment I'm writing have you heard of Alistair Crowley no so I think he, I have yeah he was like the oh actually he's a really horrible scary man he was but he he kind of was known as the beast if you like he he was he sort of started off um dabbling with the occult and witchcraft but I mean dark magic and he was quite a dangerous scary person and he for a while he lived in um a place near Loch Ness called Boleskine House and he was a real debauched uh, evil character and he tried to do this and what he's famous for I suppose is he he tried to do this um what do you call it ceremony type thing where he he was determined to try and meet his guardian angels so on the surface it sounds like he's trying to do something quite nice but in order it was called abra abramelin magic and what you had to do in order to supposedly meet your guardian angels you had to summon all these dark spirits and part of that summoning like the devils and the devil's dukes and so on and so forth and then by summoning them you then make them um conform to your will and then you can then you send them all back anyway it's quite a complicated procedure and so, and he did this in Boleskine house in Scotland and then what happened was he got interrupted supposedly halfway through the ceremony it's quite a long drawn out ceremony and he never sent the spirits the dark spirits back so there were all these sort of rumors that terrible things were happening around Loch Ness and that he'd released all these beasts and so on and so forth um his wife was an alcoholic she went she went mad really I think his his wife Rose who was married to this woman Rose and their one of their daughters died very young um anyway so I'm, I'm writing this story because the house is fascinating and it's been it's been owned by lots of different people it was owned by a rock star after him and lots of people that owned this house in near Loch Ness have had bad things happen to them and then the house has had quite a few fires and it burnt down and it's now owned. You can actually Google it. So Boleskine House, it's spelled B-O-L-E-S-K-I-N-E. And it's run by this charitable trust now, this man that's trying to rebuild it. And I think you can go and go on little tours around there. It's, it's they've been re gradually rebuilding it. And it's right on the shore of Loch Ness and everything. Anyway, so I thought right, I want to write a story that goes back in time a bit to uh, when he lived there, Alistair Crowley, and then some kids that have just moved in maybe with their parents modern day. And so that's what I'm writing about at the moment. Sorry, I'm really waffling, aren't I? It's anyway, fine. It's, fine. Uh, it's okay. So I'm writing about that at the moment. Yeah. That is so interesting. Really does sound good. We love like dark things. We just yeah. like love horror and ghosts and everything along yeah. them lines. Don't yeah. even know where it came from, but yeah. I think we like being scared, don't we? People like being scared. Yeah, never really yeah. get scared anymore, which is a shame. I feel like everything's not as scary. You just kind of grow out of it sometimes. I just wish I could be scared. 
Although one thing did scare us, and that was that movie Fall, but only because I don't like heights. Oh, I haven't seen that. It's on oh, Netflix. I like it. It's where two girls climb up the biggest tower in America and the ladder falls off. So they're stuck up there, essentially. Oh, it, was just, it was just so scary. This 2,000 foot tall radio tower. Yeah. And there's like not much room to move at the top. So, yeah, they're really desperate to try and get help. And everything they try to do just feels. Oh. And then it turns out one of them died and she just thought she was alive the entire time. Oh my god! <laughs> it was something else completely. Do you prefer to write in one place or to like travel and write? Um, I can do I can do both. I mean, I do like being in my little office writing, but I get very twitchy. So if I'm on a real roll, I can write anywhere. I can take my tablet and everything, and I can write on a train or go to a cafe and do a bit of work. I think sometimes it can be a bit isolating. If you haven't got any acting work going on and you're just doing the writing, that's when I like to go out somewhere else, you know, just before lockdown when I was writing um, and I wasn't doing any acting work, I used to go every day to a cafe just for an hour and like have a coffee and do like an hour's work and just having that buzz around me and knowing that there were other people around it was it sort of helped me it got got me into a little routine yeah it's very productive that's what I've learned because when I started like writing and potentially reading the scripts because usually when I write I never read it least the one who always reads my work and if I take it somewhere else I'm more like actively working whereas if I'm just like in the house I end up watching telly for hours and then think oh yeah I was supposed to write that or I was supposed to read that happens really would you ever try screenwriting yeah I would yeah I've just um downloaded final draft the um the the thing that you have to use for screenwriting um so I just need to have an idea really that I think would really work or you know I'm not there yet but yeah I, I probably will do at some point yeah it's quite hard to like form ideas because sometimes you're just like that's actually a good idea and then when you go to like write something it's just blank sometimes you just mm. get the title or a line and then that's about it mm-hmm. I can't see anything about writing I just leave mine halfway through and hope <laughs> for the best I know you've said about your books being a movie in the past have you thought about writing them yourself um, I have. I don't really have much incentive at the moment. If somebody said to me, yeah, yeah, we want to do it. Can you adapt it? Then that would give me that incentive. Sometimes it's hard to do that if you think what's, you know, it's not going to happen, I suppose. But yeah, maybe in the future I will. Yeah. If you could write an episode of a TV show, which one would it be? I don't know because I don't really watch much TV. I don't, I don't know. I can't really answer that. What about movies? <laughs> I don't know. That's um, probably the worst, the small movies. Yeah, I'd probably be more likely to, to write like a, like a fantasy type thing. What's your advice to new writers? I think you've just got to, to sit down and write, you know, um, and edit. Editing and self-editing is really important. 
going over your work, not being afraid to leave it for for a few days and come back to it and then edit, edit, edit. I remember a really good piece of advice, especially with children's books is, it probably does work me for adults as well, you know, be really, make sure that the story is being told, that there's not a load of superfluous waffle in there. Every chapter needs to move the story along. Yeah, that's what's kind of like with writing because sometimes you just go overboard and start writing like loads of random scenes. And then when it gets to the end, you're like, oh, what is the point in that? And then you just end up scrapping loads. And then it ends up totally different story. But then when you look at it again, you're like, actually, it works better. Okay, Lee's been waiting since the beginning to hear this story that I remembered the other day. Where the heart is. That was the discussion topic. And I watched it. I probably wasn't allowed to watch it, but I did watch the odd few episodes and I did remember when Sally died. Mm. And I was giving him hints earlier. I was devastated so much. I named my Tamagotchi Sally. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then Sally fell down a drain and died. Oh dear, that's terrible. Yeah. I was like, I remembered and I'm like, oh, I'm like, wow. Hate. Yeah, I I had to literally try and watch some episodes on ITVX, but it kept shutting down every time I tried to watch. Oh. So I'm like, I've got like little bits and pieces of what I remember, but then I don't know if it was actually real or if it was all in my head. What was it like working on that show? Because I know you came in like quite late, so I can imagine it's hard yeah. to like... I think I did series six seven no seven eight and nine I did Those and then one episode in ten apparently yeah well no I wasn't in ten so they, I think they maybe used my voice or something because that was yeah. the last series and then it was axed wasn't it yeah in series 10 um I really loved doing that show really really loved it I had the, my most favorite my most favorite screen husband Andrew Paul um just a brilliant actor really great man really liked him we got on well and um and I loved working with Keith Barron who's sadly dead now he played my father-in-law you know yeah and um and I met Leslie Dunlop who's a good friend and it was just such a brilliant time I mean and I was a part of Yorkshire I didn't know I didn't really know West Yorkshire because Emma Dale is um you know Leeds really so going to a different part of Yorkshire, which was quite bleak actually around there, but beautiful. And I loved it because it was the challenge of doing the accent. And it was great because we'd film about five months of the year and then the rest of the year you could do other jobs or whatever. So, and it was filming through the winter as well, which was good because, you know, it's a great, great then to have the summer when you're doing other things or you're at home. Yeah, I just I would hate that only because I don't like the winter because I'm always cold. Yeah, it was absolutely freezing. I've never known cold like it. Like you could kind of tell by like the cinematography, like you could just tell that it was winter just because also, looked, the shots looked quite dark in a way yeah. and gloomy. And also it was done on film and not many things were done on film then and obviously you know it was filmed so expensive so that was great as well the fact that it was done on film and not on um tape 
Yeah, I feel like back then there's like something so good and pure about the TV shows mm. that can't be replicated now. I don't know what it is. It's like the grainy footage kind of gives off like a vibe. Yeah. We were talking about this yesterday when Lee wasn't present. Um, I don't know what topic to move on to. Emmerdale? I didn't watch last night because I forgot it was on. Um, question is where to begin. And I think both me and Lee were curious because I go off Twitter for say an hour and something always goes down. And I came on and I'm like, neurodiverse thread about Bernice. And I'm like, oh, yes. what? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, was... I just shared it because I thought it was quite interesting. Somebody had said that they thought, uh, I, I think they're autistic, and they said that they thought Bernice could well be autistic and they they gave the reasons and I just thought it was quite interesting I mean I think she could be but I think you also have to remember that soap characters are always quite heightened in a way aren't they that sort of heightened reality soap opera and I think the characters are a bit heightened as well um so bit exaggerated you know but but she might be you never know yeah, it was a weird one because I'm autistic and it's weird because you can, as like someone who is autistic, you can somehow see all of the traits in other people. I mean, Lee, I just knew he was autistic from the day I met him and I told him the other month. I mean, yeah, and I was right, essentially. So Basically, it, yeah, it's were. a weird one. I feel like when it comes to like autistic coded characters that's what it's really called when you don't know if someone is or not they are so much more accurate than the actual autistic characters it's been oh, a thing yeah. yeah yeah it usually reflects so bad on us eventually when it's like oh let's make an autistic character and just do no research and you're like thanks much appreciate that one because it always comes back to bite somebody and usually it's the ones who have it mm. yeah. Lee do you want to ask questions um, so the first one I've got is uh, how did you get the role of Bernice in the first place? So I was put up for the role of Trisha. I don't know if you remember Trisha in it. I, I do. Played by Cherie Murphy. She yeah. was Alan Turner's grand, great granddaughter or granddaughter or something. And I went up for that role and um, I didn't I didn't obviously get it. I had to do a screen test with um, Billy Hartman that played Terry because I think she came in and had a relationship with Terry. And um, I was devastated. But then very quickly after, they they said they really liked my um, audition and they wanted to write another character uh, for me. So they wrote this character, Bernice Blackstock, and I just got four, was given four, about four episodes, I think. And I thought, oh, that's great. You know, I've just got four episodes. Wasn't expecting it to be anything more than that. So I did the four episodes and I think my character came in to temporarily manage the bar when it was moved from the wall pack to the village hall. And um, I had a great time because it was some really well-written stuff because she was quite a strong character. And then I got this call that they wanted me to come back and do three months. So I was absolutely over the moon and I didn't have any expectations, but they just said three months with a three-month option, and then a six month option. So they ended up take, picking up all the options and the character just grew and grew. And I was just, yeah, it was, I was so fortunate because I'd up until that point, I'd been really struggling financially. You know, I was living in London. I was 
hardly getting any acting work and I was doing temp work and waitressing and cleaning and anything really just to earn money. Do you think Bernice has shown empathy a lot more than before? Um, I think it varies with her. She's not a very good mum. I think she's quite good with other people's children. You know, the story where she's been quite supportive to Cathy with her periods and everything. But I think she can do that more easily because she's not got an emotional connection with Cathy. Whereas with her own children, she's always comes over as quite selfish and self-centred. I think, I think, as I say, it depends. Sometimes she's great, and then sometimes she just kind of has this empathy bypass. Lee, do you want to ask anything? Because my questions are pretty much like very open, and there's going to right. be lots of long answers. <laughs> um, so, uh, try to keep get the simple ones here. Were you a fan of Emmerdale before you landed the role? I I hadn't really seen it. Um, to be honest, I probably watched Coronation Street more because my first TV job had been an episode of Corrie um, in about 90, oh, I think it was about 1993 or something, something like that. And um, so I probably watched that more. But obviously, I did start watching it, you know, when when I you know knew that I was going to go up for the role of Trisha. And I did I did get into it. I think, you know. I mean, I don't really watch any television much now. I don't have time to sit and watch any of the soaps, really. But I can see how they do suck you in. Um, I'm gonna... How does it feel to be in an iconic queen category of characters? Is that what I'm in? <laughs> well, in my category anyway, and it should be like oh a honour to be in there. I don't know. I mean, I think I'm really lucky that the character is quite um, a strong character, isn't she? So she's yeah. probably like Marmite. Marmite, people either really like her or can't stand her. Um, yeah, I've just, I just think I get some great lines sometimes, which I yeah. really enjoy playing. And I think putting them with putting her with Bob is a really good move because I think that they're quite, they work quite well together actually. Um, career advice: What would be your advice to actors new ones well I think you have to um be absolutely sure it's the only thing you want to do because it's one of the most tough businesses ever and I think you just have to have that inner confidence if you like know that you're good enough and that confidence and that tenacity determination because there's an awful lot of rejection all the time you know that you go up for jobs um you know even when you think oh I, I've, I've got more of a profile now I'll get work but it just doesn't work like that I don't really know how it works all these years in the business and I still don't understand it and you go and it's luck you know sometimes you go through lucky patches sometimes you don't I think you've just got to keep you know be on time don't be late know your lines and smile and be nice to everybody and I think that's the best advice don't get too cocky um don't expect things to be done for you and just watch all the time and learn and that's that's the biggest thing just watching people because it helps you in terms of characters but also if you're new to a tv set it can be really daunting and you've just got to watch and that's the way you pick up 
um, what to do and how to behave as well from some of the old pros, you know. Yeah, I definitely need that advice because it's my first big TV show later this year, (laughs) which it will be a big TV show. It's not right now. It's hard to explain. Okay, great. Yeah. Um. I kind of. How do you learn lines like in bulk? Because it's very, very hard. Just repetition, really. And I, I kind of, when I look at the scene first, I think, what's the scene actually about? In a nutshell, what what am I? What's my character trying to say? Just so that you know, you've got it in your head. Because then, if you do ever dry or you get completely lost, at least you know what the thrust. If you know what the thrust of the scene is and what your character is meant to be doing, then you can always make something up. But yeah, it is a lot of repetition. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, good luck. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining thank us. Today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Really nice to meet you both. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye.